1: Welcome to another edition of Political Rewind. I'm Bill Nygut. Um, We're going to spend a good amount of our time today talking about a brand new poll that has just been released. It, it actually broke at about 5.30 this morning. It's uh, been done by the University of Georgia for the Georgia uh, News Collaborative, which is a, a collection of more than 100 media organizations across the state, uh, including GPB, uh, news including the Atlanta Journal Constitution that have come together to try to strengthen uh, the um, uh, local news organizations the ability for communities across the state to be able to get local news at a time when uh, newspapers particularly are uh, having a harder and harder time staying in business. This is the first project of the Georgia News Collaborative and in another show we'll talk a little bit more about it and and why it has some potential real value for all of us who are news consumers in Georgia. But let's start the show talking about this brand new poll. Um, my Wednesday partner, Greg Bluestein, political reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, is with us. Greg, you've been poring over the results of this poll for a couple of days now. Uh, you wrote the piece in this morning's paper on it. Welcome to the show.
2: Thanks. And we teased it last night. We had a, um, a live event for our podcast, Politically Georgia, with the mayor of Atlanta we got to tease um, the, some of the results, or at, least, at least the outlines of the results, to a, a live audience at Manuel's Tavern last night. It was very fun.
1: Stephen Fowler is GPB News' political reporter. He is the one who worked on the poll for our organization. And Stephen, you're writing about it uh, today. You're also, we should say, uh, the host and I, a producer of uh, Battleground Ballot Box, your podcast for GPB. Welcome, Stephen.
3: Thanks, Bill. And next week's episode will be all about debates, all debates.
1: I'll bet it will be. Yeah, we've got all those debates coming up starting Friday night. Donna Lowry is back with us as well. She's the host of Lawmakers on GPB-TV. Uh, um, Donna, thank you for being here today.
0: I'm glad to be here. And yes, the debates will be a lot of the topics for next week. So we're very involved with that. And of course, people can watch them and listen to them on GPB.
1: Yeah, the Atlanta Press Club debates will be on uh, GPB, um, and we'll have a schedule of debates uh, on our website. It may already be there, uh, but you can go to gpb.org and uh, look for it. Greg Bluestein, before we talk about the results of the top races on the ballot, particularly governor and U.S. Senate, let's talk about how the poll was conducted, the methodology, who was polled. And what that tells us, perhaps, about the results that were found. Political professionals, the people, for instance, at the Abrams campaign or the Kemp campaign, always when they see a media poll, immediately go to see what the demographic breakdown is. So with that in mind, let's just spend a couple minutes on that. So we, according to the University of Georgia, um, there are about 10 points more women than men who were polled uh, in, in this survey. Mm-hmm. What is the implication, and why would that be the case?
2: Yeah, well, typically women make up about 55% of the electorate, and so uh, the pollsters, they do what's called waiting. They wait the poll um, towards 55% women. Now, um, this is an assumption, right? It's, it's not a, it's not a lock that the that the electorate will be 55% women, and actually the Abrams campaign and many other Democrats think because of the Dobbs decision overturning Roe v. Wade, that the electorate will actually be, uh, lean even more female. And that could change the results in November for obvious reasons. Um, this poll was conducted of about 1,030 likely voters. We like to say polls are snapshots of the electorate. It gives you just a glimpse. It's not a prediction. Um, and we have, we're about a month out, so a lot can change. But in this case, the poll was uh, conducted between September 25th and October 4th. So it's, I don't even know if snapshot's the best word. It might be a little bit of a blurred snapshot because it took place over an almost, I don't know, ten-day period, um, but it does give us um, at least a window into where the electorate is leaning. It was also weighted for um, for race. Uh, African American voters tend to make up about 29% electorate. But again, if Democrats succeed in energizing more Black voters, that will also change the November outcome. But lastly, it does not wait. UGA and some other pollsters do not typically wait for um, ideology. Um, some pollsters do, some pollsters don't. In this case, the survey ended up interviewing more people who identify as Republicans, about 50%, than Democrats, about 43%. There's also 7% independents. Independents in Georgia have tended to lean um, Republican, but in the Trump era, everything's gone, <laughs> gone out the window. Yeah, um, And so uh, those are all just factors to keep in mind as you look at this poll. Y-
1: yeah, Stephen, let's talk a little bit more about that. Uh, the Abrams campaign, in the last UGA poll released by the by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, they were behind Kemp uh, by eight points. And they looked at uh, just what Greg talked about a minute ago, that UGA oversampled, they claim, Republicans. Um, in this poll, 50.3% of the sample are Republican, while only 425 are Democrats. um, What should we make of that as we begin to discuss the actual top line numbers?
3: Well, I think it's important to look at the cross tabs of it and see how different demographic groups fare with these different candidates. You know, if you would expect, like in the Senate race, what we're seeing right now is a sizable number of people that say they're Republican, say that they support Brian Kemp, but also say they support Raphael Warnock in the Senate race instead of Herschel Walker. And so what we really wanna look at is the share of certain demographics that Democrats and Republicans get. You know, women tend to support Democratic candidates more. So if there are more women uh, that are going to show up in the electorate than what is sampled, then it might be more of a benefit for Democrats. White voters typically vote for Republicans. And so if the electorate is a little whiter, When all the votes are counted, then what's in the polls, it might be more beneficial to Republicans. And so, you know, this is a snapshot in time. But what we're seeing uh, in the poll, in the demographics, you know, the the flashy top lines don't tell the full story of the race. And it's these demographic breakdowns and how these candidates fare within those breakdowns that are a much more – Uh, accurate picture at how voters are feeling about these campaigns, you know, whether, you know, black candidates, some voters are, some black voters are more certain and confident in their vote for Raphael Warnock than they are for Stacey Abrams. Uh, The pollster at UGA said he expects that number to consolidate and them to get separate, uh, similar numbers on that. And so, you know, There are a lot of people on both sides of the aisle that read this poll or read other polls that come out individually and say, aha, my candidate is ahead or, oh, there's no way my candidate's behind. But you have to look at the bigger picture context of when and how these polls were conducted and who they talked to.
1: That's, uh, thank you both for that, Donna. Uh, What all of this says is that, yes, polling is a science. Uh, but it's an imprecise science, and you can you can juggle the demographics, you can juggle the weighting in ways that do change what potential outcomes might be. But I want to make another important point, Donna. While, um, while the campaigns, and especially in this case, the Abrams campaign, will uh, probably argue that our results are skewed because she's lagging by a pretty significant margin in this poll. The fact of the matter is, it isn't as if... Uh, campaigns aren't deeply invested in polls themselves. They pay close attention, they pay pollsters a lot of money uh, to uh, give them internal polls throughout a campaign that help guide them in terms of how they're going to continue running their campaigns. I think that's an important point to make here too, Donna
0: yeah absolutely. They're looking at all of these numbers, and they they we don't know necessarily their internal polling, and I think that's why they worry about the a poll like this that the public hears more about but the the reality is that they're they're looking at all of this and they're comparing what they're seeing coming from a poll like this to what they're seeing on their end and you know I think we can't emphasize enough the fact that these are likely voters these are People who voted in the past general elections uh, in 2018 and and um, and 2020, and then then in, and in some of the um, in some of the the primary elections, but also that again that it's a snapshot that we can't we can't emphasize that enough.
1: Greg, Greg one real last quick point: um, in in the last poll that UGA did, um, in 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 order to arrive at likely voters. I think I'm correct that they decided not to include in their polling people who didn't vote in the 2022 primary elections. I believe I'm correct that that same criteria was used in this poll if I read their methodology correctly. And if that's the case, there are an awful lot of people who are on the losing end of this poll who are going to say there's going to be a low load of new voters who come in following the primary, especially as a result of the Roe decision in the Supreme Court.
2: Yeah, and our reporting shows that 1.6 million new voters have been added to the poll, added to the register since uh, 2018, and many of them tend to skew, they're younger, they're more diverse, they're from liberal leaning states, so they tend to skew democratic, but you know, you never know if they're actually going to vote.
1: Okay, so um we're going to we take take a look at all that as by a way of cautioning you to understand that these poll results are certainly valid Um, And and we're going to get to them in just a second, but you should understand the methodology uh, by which they were created uh, so you can determine for yourself uh, whether you think the pollsters did this exactly the way you would like them to have done it. Look, it's uh, Pledge Day here at GPB Radio, and uh, we have to send it over to the folks who are going to ask you if you will please help us by contributing to Political Rewind and GPB Radio. Radio, we want to keep this show going five days a week, live five hours a week, repeated two in the afternoon. That takes a lot of labor, a lot of people involved. Here's how you can help support the station and the show.
3: Thanks for listening to Political Rewind. If you like this show, you'll also like Georgia Today. It's a daily podcast from GPB News, bringing you compelling stories and in-depth reporting that you won't hear anywhere else. Join me, Peter Biello, for this quick and convenient way to get the best of GPB News' extensive coverage of the topics that matter to you, delivered directly to your device every weekday afternoon.
1: Donna Lowry, Stephen Fowler, Greg Bluestein, uh, join me today to talk about the new polling Uh, from GPB News, the AJC, and an organization now called the Georgia News Collaborative, a statewide uh, group of local news organizations uh, trying to come together to uh, become more united and powerful in delivering news to communities across the state. All right, Greg Bluestein, let's get right to it. Let's talk about the Senate race. Um, uh, UGA's polling uh, finds that it's virtually a dead heat um, within the margin of error, they show uh, Raphael Warnock at about 46 percent, Herschel Walker at 43 percent. Um, so, uh, and then Chase Oliver at 4.1 percent, the Libertarian. That may be the most one of the two most important things about this result. Not only is Oliver polling high enough uh, to throw this to a runoff, but uh, that's kept Warnock and Walker both from getting over 50 percent.
2: Yeah, a couple of things here. First is that that reflects a lot of other polls. This is this has kind of been the trend <laughs> right now, a very close race. Many of the polls, including this one, show it right within the margins of error. So we can't say anyone's actually in, in, on, on top or not. Um, but the second important thing is that most this poll was mostly done before the Daily Beast um, reported about the abortion allegations, which Churchill Walker has denied. Um, all but about 7% of the respondents came before that, and even the 7% that came after that. There's no telling if it, you know if that news was kind of baked into the electorate by them. Um, so we still haven't seen a comprehensive poll, at least from UGA, um, in in this polling outfit, since these allegations have have uh, have, have been lodged. And and thirdly, um, the uh, the big trend that this continues to show, and that we've written about um, umpteen times, and which is going to be a factor. And you mentioned it, Bill, was that there's a split ticket trend going on. We've talked to voters, we have anecdotal evidence, we have polling data, we have internal data from Democrats and Republicans that point to this. But in this poll, about 9% of Governor Kemp's backers are voting, indicating that they're gonna vote for Raphael Warnock, a Democrat. An initial 5% say they'll vote for for the, the Libertarian, Chase Oliver. And you know, usually we'd expect the Libertarian's numbers to be closer to one, two, 3%, but in this race, where you've got a lot of Republicans who are still skeptical of Herschel Walker, we could see the Libertarians' numbers rise uh, to to four or five percent, like this poll is reflecting. We'll see if it if it narrows like it usually does in November, but there are a number of Republicans who who do expect that Libertarian number to be uh, above average because of so many protest voters who either skip the race altogether or who might vote for Libertarian in a, in a protest of Herschel Walker.
1: Stephen, the uh, University of Georgia was only in the in the field one night following the revelations in the Daily Beast reporting, which means they don't have enough statistical data to show whether that's going to have an impact on the race or not. When you look at the crosstabs in this race, is there anything that stands out to you that we should be paying attention to?
3: Well, yeah. I mean, basically, the main difference in these two races, beyond uh, beyond what Greg mentioned about the protest voters for Libertarians and some Kemp Warnock voters, is that you look at basically every single demographic slice of this poll, Herschel Walker has much less support than Brian Kemp does. And, you know, it's it's a noticeable enough thing. You know, Herschel Walker, according to this poll, has only 2 percent of the Black support as opposed to Brian Kemp having eight percent. And, you know, that's enough when a third, uh, you know, nearly a third of the voters in Georgia are black voters. You know, that's a big difference in the drop off and support. And it, it, it will be interesting to see, you know, there are still a decent amount of undecided voters in these polls. And that's why, you know, you add up the top three candidates and it doesn't necessarily add up to 100 percent. But of these undecided voters, you know, you're seeing more younger people undecided in the Senate race of who they're going to vote for. And you're looking at the poll and you see independent voters that are overwhelmingly supporting Raphael Warnock, but still a big chunk of those undecided voters. And so thinking ahead to early voting beginning Monday and then getting to Election Day, the question with a lot of these voters that are undecided in the Senate race is Will they settle for Herschel Walker or Raphael Warnock or Chase Oliver, or will they be people that don't vote at all? And so it's possible with the U.S. Senate race being at the very top of the ballot, you could have some people that previously were maybe going to primarily vote for the Senate candidate and maybe leave other things blank that might just not show up at all because of these revelations, because they don't want to vote for a Democrat, they don't feel like voting for a libertarian, and then they just don't vote at all.
1: Donna, I noticed another thing in the cross tabs that we should talk about, and that is between Walker and Warnock, Warnock leads with women voters. He's got basically 54% of the support of female voters compared to 36% for Walker. And if you compare that to women in the Abrams-Kemp race, uh, in that case, women uh, are voting for Abrams by just a point or two over uh, uh, Kemp. So... So the women vote women's vote in this Walker Warnock race is particularly interesting and potentially crucial.
0: Yeah, I think it's significant. <clears throat> excuse me, we know that <clears throat> excuse me, women vote in large numbers, uh, especially black women in the Democratic Party and so I think that that makes a big difference in how we look at these numbers especially when it comes to how um, Herschel Walker is fearing with women and these allegations that have come out. I think that's going to make a big difference. The fact that this poll took place in the middle of all of that coming out, I, I think is significant in that we're going to find out uh, later on how all of this is playing out. Because re- as we recall, as the allegations were coming out, the Daily Beast report, and then there was more that came out through um, other news sources that told us that there is a lot going on with this. And that's going to, I think, affect the, the vote by women in this.
1: Greg, um, you're, when you look at the crosstabs in this, what's of interest to you in the Walker-Warnock race?
2: Well, you know, one of the, inter- the more interesting things is the African-American support for uh, Raphael warnock um, where he's at 89%. Um, that's he, He's jumped um, about double digits since the last AJC UGA poll in September, uh, where he was closer to 80%, which shows that he's consolidating his uh, Democratic base, while Herschel Walker is continuing to struggle with his Republican base. And you can tell in the campaign trail, because he's leaning very hard into conservative issues that Governor Kemp isn't leaning into as much, because Kemp has locked up the Republican base. At the same time, you know, uh, even as Warnock is improving among black voters, Stacey Abrams remains at 80 percent among African-American voters in this poll and, frankly, a number of other polls. She's acknowledged this issue. No one thinks that Governor Kemp is going to get 20 percent or or even 15 percent among African-American voters. Um, Stacey Abrams and other Democrats will will rise to close to the 90 percent level. They also know that they need to be even higher in order to, to have a chance to win this race. And that's why she's having so many events geared towards shoring up black voter base, right? Um, And she's acknowledged that especially among black men who tend to vote at smaller proportions, uh, uh, lower proportions than black women, white women, white men, um, she has a lot of work to do. And she's trying to do that work. Um, Her other goal is, of course, to expand the electorate. She knows she'll win about 90% of the vote eventually of black voters, but she wants to expand turnout from African-American voters closer to presidential levels. And we'll see if she can do that in November
1: So let's turn then, Stephen, to that governor's race. I mean, the biggest bombshell, if there's a bombshell in this uh, uh, poll, is that uh, it shows Kemp leading Abrams by 10 points with four weeks left until Election Day and only one week until early voting begins. But as Greg just pointed out, at this point, Abrams is drawing 81% of the African-American vote, and they believe that number is going to increase dramatically between now and Election Day. Nevertheless, talk to us about what you see when you see this 10-point lead for Kemp.
3: Well, I think the more important thing to focus on is that Brian Kemp is at 51%, not necessarily that Stacey Abrams is at 41%. You know, Consistently, we've seen in polls across the spectrum Kemp hovering around the 50 to 51% mark within the margin of error of it going towards a runoff. And what it shows largely is that, you know, like Greg said, Kemp has consolidated his support, his Republican support and the base. There's no question about Republicans voting for Brian Kemp. There's more of a question about Democrats that are a little more uncertain about Stacey Abrams or uncertain about if they're going to vote. And the question of who she brings to the polls and how many of them there are could be the difference between Kemp winning outright or the governor's race going to a runoff. And, you know, it, it shows the, the demographics that Abrams has the most or they're the most number of undecided voters in the governor's race are black voters, women and 18 to 29 year olds, you know, the younger people. And those are some of the demographics that Democrats tend to do really well with. And so eventually they will probably come home to roost for Abrams and show up and vote, which will tighten up the margins a lot. But it's a question of looking at the demographics, looking at the electorate, are there enough Democrats and Democratic-leaning voters, either likely voters in this poll or occasional voters that Abrams is trying to bring into the fold, are there enough to force Brian Kemp below 50 percent? And really, that's the best-case scenario for Abrams heading into the election, but it's one that we really just can't know until all the votes are counted.
1: Donna, that's why, uh, again, we talk about snapshots uh, by Election Day. We don't know how Stacey Abrams may have consolidated those voters that uh, uh, Stephen just talked about. Um, So it would, again, we say this over and over, be a mistake uh, to decide that Stacey Abrams somehow is out of this race, although the trends in this poll and all the others out there suggest she is lagging right now behind Kemp.
0: And we know not to count her out when it comes to the ground game of actually getting voters to the polls. We know that that is something that she's known for, that her people are out there working, and that they, she's got an, an event today with where she's focusing on black voters. So when it comes to getting the – we all know that in the end it's who comes to the polls, getting the numbers, getting the people out there. That's important. And we know that she's very good at that. So, we cannot count her out when it comes to
1: that. Uh, We should point out that the libertarian in that governor's race is Shane Hazel. He's only polling at about 2%. He isn't, so he is not, at this point at least, appearing to be quite the factor uh, that Chase Oliver may be in the U.S. Senate race in terms of the possibility of a runoff. All right. There's another interesting factor that's unfolding in this poll, and that is that while Stacey Abrams seems to be uh, behind. Uh, Kemp by double digits, when you look at some of the key issues in this race, um, most of the respondents tend to agree with Stacey Abrams' positions, not Brian Kemp. We're going to talk about that. Um, But again, it's pledge time here at GPB Radio, and I'm going to send you over to the people who can tell you how you can help us. And by the way, if you are already a supporter of GPB Radio, if you're already a supporter of 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 political rewind and i've heard a lot of you who say that you contribute because you do care about this show i am very grateful to you here's how others can join you couple of quick notes. Uh, number one, today is Political Rewind newsletter today. If you are not a subscriber, you can do it by going to gpb.org slash newsletters. And by the way, um, there are people who say they have subscribed but don't get it. That It may be because the subject line you'll see in your email inbox will be GA today and Political Rewind is the subhead. Uh, so it doesn't mean you and I, your subscription hasn't gone through if you don't see Political Rewind in that subject line, but I have something that I'm really excited to share with all of you. Um, we, this week, have gone over 1 million downloads of the GPB Political Rewind podcast, and that is just, for us, such a thrill. Victoria Evans-Cash, Jake Cook, Chase McGee, Natalie Mendenhall, the team who puts this show together and gets it out there to you. We are so happy that you have uh, found us on our podcast. All right, let's get back to the uh, uh, poll. Greg, we all, I think, who really looked at this poll carefully noticed a similar phenomenon here. While Stacy Abrams on the top line trails Kemp by double digits, when the pollsters asked about key issues in this race, um, the people who responded mostly sided with Stacey Abrams. They oppose the Georgia heartbeat abortion law, sixty-one percent. They oppose by sixty-two percent uh, with sixty-two percent the Georgia gun carry law. They support Stacey Abrams, who believes that. With the enormous surplus federal money that's come in, the state should invest that back into programming as opposed to Brian Kemp cutting more taxes, and yet they seem to favor Kemp over uh, Abrams. It's a strange phenomenon.
2: It is. It's a paradox. We, we wrote about it in the Jolt this morning saying the, the good news in Stacey Abrams' bad poll, uh, and there's a fourth issue too, yeah. and this to me was one of the most surprising because I've been covering the the fight to legalize gambling Um, for years now, for more than a decade, for almost two decades here in Georgia. And, um, you know, we've seen conservatives kind of flip on the idea and be a little bit more open to it than they were 10 years ago. But in this poll, um, 60 percent of the respondents endorse legalizing casino gambling. And the question, by the way, was just flat out, do you support legalizing gambling? Not with a, you know, if the funds are used to do X, Y, Z. It was just a flat out question. Um, Stacey Abrams has put that at the at the core of one of her uh, higher education policies. She believes that if she can legalize, if she can uh, if state can pass a law to legalize gambling, that new revenue for, raised by taxes would go towards expanding needs-based scholarships in Georgia. So that was another interesting thing. But look, we've seen this over and over again with President Biden as well. His approval ratings are rock bottom. I mean, they're 38% uh, in Georgia. They've basically been unchanged over the last few months. And yet, in this poll and others, uh, it shows that, that voters, um, you know, broadly approve some of his key policies, including student debt relief in, the, in previous polls, including um, the, what Democrats call the Inflation Reduction Act. So we've seen this kind of, uh, you know, uh, split between how the candidates themselves are viewed and how their policies are viewed.
1: Donna and then Stephen, I, I want to share with you my speculation about this and then get your takes on it. Donna, it strikes me in some ways that if voters tend to agree with Abrams on crucial issues that she's been highlighting in her campaign, but still she's uh, behind in the race, to me part of what it suggests is the nationalization of all political races. If you don't like uh, President Biden, uh, you may uh, that may affect how you vote for governor. Although it doesn't seem to be affecting. Uh, the Senate race. If you're voting uh, because of a tribal instinct for a Democrat or or a Republican, that might have something to do with it. But on the other hand, it doesn't seem to be affecting the uh, Warnock-Walker race. So uh, it's very hard to figure out what this is all about. Is it possible that the Abrams people have got to do a better job getting their uh, themes across?
0: Yeah, I think it's very puzzling. I I don't understand it. I think a lot of it may be that uh, she has, that the the national focus on her is so great that they're not looking at some of these Georgia issues in the way that they are, uh, when it comes to her, the way they should. And maybe that it's her campaign not putting that out there the way they they should on those issues. And so we've seen the ads dealing with abortion. We've seen the ads dealing with, um, affordable housing and guns and all, but are, is is it really reaching the people who are looking at her, or is the are the numbers with her? Do they have nothing to do with the issues? Maybe if there's something else out there that um, is is just not coming up right now, at least in these polls, and we may see come out once people actually start voting.
1: Stephen.
3: Well, you know, there are a lot of different issues out there, and there's not necessarily any one issue that reliably drives people to the polls. Uh, You know, the economic message that Brian Kemp is putting forward and his uh, record on Georgia's economy and the shape of it and highlighting the national economy and inflation and things is probably a lot more salient to a lot more people then some of these issues like casino gambling, like even abortion. I mean, I was just in southwest Georgia a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, there were both, both congressional candidates I followed there obviously had thoughts on abortion. But their central message was talking more about the economy and talking about agriculture and for different voters in different parts of the state you know, there are things about Stacey Abrams' message or Brian's Kemp message that resonates with them a little more. And so you might have voters that still oppose the gun loosening restrictions. They still might oppose abortion. But for them, the issue of the economy and Georgia's record surplus and how Brian Kemp has led the state economically might be a more important factor to them voting than some of these other issues. And so, you know, it, it it isn't surprising that people are generally opposed to a lot of these individual laws and legislation, but more receptive to the job that Kemp's done as governor, because I think there also is a separation between the governor and what that office does and stands for, and kind of the legislature and the legislature's role in crafting a lot of these things, even though at the
1: end of the day, Kemp's the one that signs bills. Greg, what's your take on that?
2: You know, I I know that Stacey Abrams has put out a number of policies, right? I mean, literally 100 policies. Um, and, and to some voters, they love that idea. They love that she can have a multi-plan, multi-policy plan for affordable housing, an issue that rarely gets brought, brought up in statewide campaigns, if, if ever. Um, and some voters, you know, can be confusing to them, right? Um, you know, Kemp has put out very few policies. There's 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 not much he's He's promising in a second term agenda. He's focusing mostly on his first term. Um, and so, you know, he can, he can point to, hey, he has some tax refund plans, he has a modest educational proposal. She is talking about generational change. And so there is a clear difference in where they stand on, on just about every policy point. Um, and so some voters embrace that, and some voters, it's just confusing. Um, I don't know how much that shows up in the polls. I don't know how much that will affect November. I don't know how many how much people are actually paying attention to all the different policy plans, right? Um, other than the big issues. But we know that the economy continues to be a significant factor in the way folks vote. And this poll under, underscored that, right? It showed that a vast majority of Georgians um, have a, are feeling either a, a noticeable or a negative impact by the price of household goods, by inflation. And... The Democrats, including, you know, look, they're trying to uh, push the message that Governor Kemp's abortion and gun policies are wrapped into the economy, that they are undermining the state's economic reputation. Um, Kemp can just point to low jobless rates and other economic indicators as as a, uh, as a proof of that his economic plan is working. It's, it's something for the voters to turn out, but it is a very big split between the two candidates.
1: Um, what's interesting about all that is uh, the reminder that we ought to give that elections have consequences. Uh, for decades, Republican voters who were uh, anti-abortion went to the polls and cast ballots that they thought would help them move closer and closer towards outlawing abortion in uh, at, at certainly the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And it strikes me what's hap- what happens in, st- in a cases like this is that a voter may say, gee, I, I don't like this heartbeat abortion Uh, law at all. But on the other hand, the economy is so bad that I've got to vote, uh, uh, for uh, uh, the Republicans, who I think might be able to turn things around a bit more, it's only later that they suddenly realize, uh-oh, <laughs> this vote also had an impact on abortion, on gun laws, and the like. And Republicans uh, can say the same thing in terms of their issues if they should lose big races. All right. Um, we're, we're, we only have a little bit of time. Stephen, let's just look at uh, the down. We looked at uh, the polling, looked at a couple, several down-ballot races, Secretary of State, Lieutenant Governor, Attorney General. Um, in both the Attorney General and the Secretary of State's race, the Republican candidates have a lead uh, that uh, the pollsters consider significantly sig- statistically significant, but certainly not def- definitive or determinative. But it's interesting that in the lieutenant governor's race, um, Uh, Bert Jones and the Democrat Charlie Bailey uh, actually uh, appear to be uh, relatively close to one another, and that race could be a toss-up, Stephen.
3: Well, right. I I think the further down the ballot you go, the more you see uncertainty among uh, Republicans, but mainly Democrats, about who they're going to vote for, or if they're going to show up to vote. And so right under the Senate and governor race that have dominated headlines and fundraising, you do have uh, more uncertainty around Burt Jones, the Republican, and Charlie Bailey, the Democrat. So it is closer there. But again, looking across the board, 14% of voters say they're undecided. And that includes Mm -hmm. 17% of women and 17% of black voters. And so there definitely is Uh, a level of tightness there that we're seeing that we'll eventually see with other polls as it gets closer to time. But the really interesting uh, result to me, Bill, is looking at the Secretary of State's race. You know, Brad Raffensperger is at 48 percent, which is, you know, close to what Brian Kemp and other Republicans are. But if you look at it, 9% 9% of Republicans say they're voting for the Libertarian as a protest vote yeah. against <laughs> against Brad Raffensperger for certifying the election and standing up to Trump. And to me, that's an interesting statistic. And it's made up for by independents overwhelmingly backing him, one of the few Republicans to have that mark.
1: Um, yeah, we should point out that Raffensperger is under 50%. He's basically at 48%. Um, Metz is at 6.3 it, it, it's conceivable that uh, depending on how things shape up the last few weeks it could be we move toward a runoff or we'll, we'll see how that goes um, Donna um, the what's interesting to me about all these races but but again looking at the lieutenant governor's races you know people I don't think, uh, either Charlie Bailey or Burr Jones, for that matter, have an enormous amount of statewide name recognition. Burr Jones has gotten attention because he's one of the fake electors. Uh, Charlie Bailey ran for Lute- uh, for attorney general in the last election cycle, um, but both of them have got to get their message out to a broader uh, swath of voters than they've ever had to than than, than they've typically dealt with in the past. Although Bailey did have a statewide race last time around.
0: Yeah, and I think that's uh, what we're going to see in the next few weeks is uh, them trying to to separate the, and themselves a little bit. I think the message is out there that um that Burt Jones is an election denier and a fake elector because of what we've seen in the the Fulton County criminal case where the um not criminal case but where the the district attorney's office is looking into them. So I think they we're you know, uh, that race surprises me that it's so close, but I think that a lot of it has to do with what we know about uh, uh, Burt Jones and all of this.
1: Okay. So Greg, we're almost out of time. How much volatility do you imagine there's going to be in the attorney general race between Chris Carr Car and Jen Jordan, where Carr leads? Um, we, we've already talked about Raffensperger and B. Wynn, where there's a wider gap how much volatility in the last few weeks should we expect in those down-ballot races?
2: I think there'll be a significant number because you're seeing uh, those undecideds break. And look, Dean Wynn was down by 20 points in the last poll. Now she's down by 12. She has a TV ad campaign. So does Jen Jordan. So does Attorney General Chris Carr. So you're going to see more voters make up their minds very shortly.
1: All right. Um, I am out of time. Uh, But I'm really grateful to Donna Lowry, Stephen Fowler, and Greg Greg, Greg Bluestein for helping us break down the uh, results of this latest uh, AJC, GPB News, Georgia News Collaborative poll of the Georgia election races. There are other interesting questions that were asked in the poll, and we're going to get to those on tomorrow's show. But in the meantime, my thanks again to the panel and to all of you for listening today. And thanks to those of you who have contributed to the $1 downloads of the Political Rewind podcast. We're out of time. We'll be back again tomorrow. In the meantime, take care and stay healthy. And here's how you can help support GPB Radio.